Our speaker today is Mel Everson, a member of New Hope Community Church. First of all, I'd like to take a few moments to, to thank the Gervasios for allowing us to be able to have this opportunity tonight. And it is a blessing to be here. It's a blessing for us to be able to have church again. And praise the Lord that we can thank God for a beautiful day as well. And I want to take a few minutes to do a little advertising. Many of you I don't know personally. I think it's the first time I've seen you. And I'd like to introduce myself and uh, what I do in the church. And it happened years ago with Pastor Chuck. Uh, ministering to me allowed me the privilege to be able to minister as well to inmates, even while in prison. And doing that um, gave me inspiration to do ministry and to help people overcome issues that I had been able to overcome with the help of the Lord. And so through the years, friendship ministry was developed. And that has happened now for 25 years. And we've been incorporated as our own entity for 10 years. And Ed Bennett, many of you know Ed in our church. He's part of our ministry team. And Brenda Danner as well. And Brenda goes into the Mercer County Jail. And I go in down to the Salem County Jail. Uh, right now, we can't go into the jails because of the virus issues. And we just have to wait until they open the doors for us again. Um, I, there is a website, friendshipministry.com. If you're interested, you can go there and look at all the things that we do and things that have been done over the years and publications that we have available and so forth. I don't want to take all the time to do that. I would like to get right into the message. And let me pray first. Heavenly Father, thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for allowing us to be together here. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege to be able to share your word. And I don't know why it is. Sometimes in my flesh, I would love to share a happy-go-lucky type of a sermon. But for whatever reason, you lead me to share these very difficult kinds of messages. And uh, I need you to help me to do this and to speak your word as we go forward in this message. And may you be glorified through it. And may we all be convicted where necessary, and may we be healed where necessary. And ultimately, we thank you, Lord, that you see us in your Son, Jesus, as righteous, and you have great things planned for us, and you will be glorified through us. I pray that you would bless this time to your glory, in Jesus' name. All right. I had given out a um, paper with some scriptures uh, we don't have the overhead for the scriptures, and also I use the New King James Version, so my the pages wouldn't be the same. The words might be a little bit different. So I passed out the scriptures, so when that time comes, when we come to a scripture, you'll be able to read with me those particular passages. Um, Pastor Chuck had asked me to speak back all the way back in like February or March, was it? And it was probably planned around May, and then with the virus issues, it got pushed to now. And even at that moment, when Pastor Chuck asked me to speak, this message was on my heart. And over the time, all this time went by, and, and still, it was on my heart to share this message. And now, with what's happening in our world, it's even more uh, prevalent. I need to share this, so here we go. It's election year. 
And the one thing that I dislike the most about election years is the negativity and the backbiting. I've even heard it called incivility. And it's actually pretty scary when those who are trying to get our votes and to lead us and our country would behave as rude schoolyard children. What kind of message are these rude leaders sending to our culture, especially to our children? They are basically promoting bullying. And that has become another serious problem in the world. And I will cover that later. Now, I don't know why there is no conviction about this. Even for the unbelievers or those that don't even know the Bible. Because it's inhumane. What is also disturbing is that it doesn't appear that anyone is calling them out for this behavior. Now, since this issue's been on my heart for some time, that's what I feel led to address. And I can't speak to the politicians, but I can speak to us, because this issue, unfortunately, is prevalent everywhere, even among believers. Well, let's see what the Bible says. I want to turn to James 3, 5, the middle of the verse to verse 10. On the, it's the first one on the scriptures. See how great a forest a little fire kindles and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren... These things ought not to be so. Well, we see the damage that wildfires can do by what's happened in our nation in recent years. And I myself had had my own scary experience as a child. I was playing with matches outside in the woods behind my house. And a fire started that went out of control. And like a coward, I ran home. But the place continued to burn and it left at the end a charred area of about 200 square feet. That could have been one of those huge wildfires that we've witnessed on the news. Fortunately, it got put out. So I know the experience of how a fire can spread and the damage that can be done. And if we're careless with fire, serious damage will result. The same is true when we're careless with our words. Do you know that words of death bring about curses? We can speak words of death. We can speak words of life. Words of death actually bring a curse to someone. The Bible makes it very clear that the words that we say are very serious, whether they are good words or bad words. 
In fact, in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there's a list of six things that the Lord hates. And three of those six things deal with the tongue. That is what we say. And that is a lying tongue, a false witness who speaks lies, and a tongue that sows discord. That is to speak negative words or slander about somebody. These are something that the Lord hates. The book of Proverbs is chock full of wisdom about the tongue and what happens when we speak, whether blessings or curses. In Proverbs 29, 11, and 20, we see the wisdom in choosing our words carefully. The attitude of our culture today is to say whatever's on your mind. And you have the right to your opinion. But God's word says, quote, a fool vents all of his feelings. And that, quote, if you see a man hasty in his words, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Unquote. So why is it that what we say is so serious? Because the words literally bring blessings or curses. In other words, words can bring about good things. They can achieve a good purpose. They can inspire. They can bring about positive actions. But at the same time, they can bring about bad things as well. In the same way, there's a cause and effect with playing with fire. There's also a cause and effect with our words. I mentioned bullying earlier, and that's always been a problem. But only recently has it become a serious problem in our nation. Because there's many teen suicides from being bullied. Careless and rude words that were spoken or written were so cruel or cursed that they would cause a person to want to end their life. I wrote in our recent newsletter about a friend who had committed suicide years ago. Apparently, from what I've heard, there were some very disrespectful things that were spoken to him by his parole officer. And he was already suffering from depression and that just took him over the edge. Well, there's another serious problem as it relates to our words in this world, and that's emotional abuse. This is very common in dysfunctional families, and it's often carried down from one generation to another. Parents, the very people entrusted by God to nurture and care for their children, will belittle them, condemn them, discourage them. And for the most part, this is done with, with, with no conscious maliciousness. They're not even aware of the hurt that is being done. And yet, the curses, the tragic result, the reason it's so serious is that many of these wounded children will grow up to become what was spoken in those words of death. In addition to that, I have discovered a link, perhaps without exception, with emotional abuse background and people with bipolar and other psychological issues, there seems to be a connection there. And many psychiatrists and psychologists have explained how emotional abuse very much seriously affects people. 
What makes this even more tragic is that there are not many laws against this behavior. How many people do you know have been locked up for emotional abuse? Perhaps in extreme cases, some actions are taken. But for the most part, it's left unchecked. Much like the incivility of our political candidates. Of course, laws in themselves will not solve the problem. We definitely don't need a new law that will cause calamity and cause more problems. While not solving the real problem in the first place. There is a law that would work. And that law is already in place. We just need to heed that law and to take it seriously. That is the law of God's word. And really, God's word, our Bible, is the handbook for humanity. When we heed this law, we will understand the severity of our words. And we will understand that the severity is more than just the consequences that we deal with in this life. God's word tells us a lot about the seriousness of our words, even to eternity, even after we leave this world. All right, the Christian home. The Christian homes do not escape this matter. There may not be emotional abuse, but there may be words of death expressed in frustration, yet cloaked in what's known as Christianese using the Bible to get a point across that could be rather hurtful. Words of judgment or condemnation meant, though, to admonish or correct, but rather they produce harm than good. And I know for myself, I find it a challenge to find the right words even in times of intense frustration. I've been blessed to be able to be a father to most of my children. I have five children and three I'm in contact with. And they are not perfect. They came from my loins. They will not be perfect. However, for all that they've been through, it's astounding how far they have progressed. And they know I am proud of them. Yeah, there are times... I can get frustrated by the choices they make. And the prayer team knows about that. Many times I've asked them to pray for situations. Pastor Chuck has heard me vent and, and moan and complain and, and, and grovel over these things that are going on. And But I need to go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help me to be able to express my concern and yet without speaking words of death. That is a hard one. It is so difficult. And it's, it's a prayer I need to pray constantly. And in this ministry, I minister to a lot of people that have made wrong choices, as I myself have made. And sometimes you might be doing great, and then all of a sudden you start backsliding, doing the wrong things, and it's my responsibility to confront them on that. And sometimes I might get frustrated in that. And I ask the Lord, help me to be able to address these issues 
without saying things that are going to do more harm than good. All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 to 37. Jesus says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew twelve thirty six to 37. Now, the Bible makes it clear in this passage, and others, there's many others throughout the Bible, that we are going to be held accountable for the words that we speak. In the same way, we're held accountable for our actions. If our words have caused people to stumble, to develop a psychosis, to hurt themselves, or even to kill themselves, we're going to be held accountable to God for that. And, in fact, that is an application of Matthew chapter 18, 6 through 7. Jesus says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. But woe to that man from whom the offense comes. Jesus makes it very clear how serious it is when we cause people to sin, to stumble, whether that's in what we teach or in the influence of the words that we speak. That's the hard part of it all. What is the solution? Thank God there is a solution. Hopefully, each one of us has realized how serious this matter is. Not only to be careful with the words that we speak, but to be concerned for this matter in our world. May we pray that others would realize how serious this is. May we pray for conviction to fall on everyone, from our political candidates to the schoolyard bully, and to each one of us. May we recognize the words of death that we speak. May we renounce these words that we speak. And may we repent from speaking such words. Pastor Chuck has used those three words many times. And it applies in this situation as well. To renounce the words. I'm sorry. To recognize the words. We have to realize we're speaking these kind of words. And to renounce them and then to repent from speaking them. We can now choose to speak only words of life. We will not only be obedient and pleasing to the Lord, but we will bless those whom we are speaking to. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. My purpose for this message is actually twofold. First, for us to understand the seriousness of our words 
and to overcome speaking words of death. The second is for those of us who may have had words of death spoken to us, we can overcome those words and we can find healing. Whether it's been from emotional abuse as a child or a co-worker belittling or speaking bad about you or things happening presently in the home, we can overcome those words of hurt that were spoken to us. We can find healing for those words. Unfortunately, on this side of heaven, the words of death will not end. Even Jesus said that. He said, woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come. We can and we must take responsibility for our words, but we cannot make others change their words except by praying. But by being an example in our circle of influence. However, although we can't change the, the words of death that were spoken by others, we can change how they influence us, how they would affect us. In one of our past ministry newsletters, our ministry team member, Ed Bennett, He wrote an article called Overcoming Victim Mentality Disorder. In that article, he wrote a quote that really applies to this situation as well. Here's what he wrote. Quote, Eleanor Roosevelt had a handle on dealing with harsh and hurtful words that were directed toward her and her husband, whether they were true or false. She said, quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Hmm. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Wow. How ironic we get such words of wisdom from a political figure. May we remember the childhood phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, as we've learned, this is not necessarily true. However, there is some meaning to that phrase we can learn and apply later. Words of death, the names, can hurt. And some hurt deeply, but we can choose to overcome them. We can choose to not allow them to hurt us and we can overcome these words, how? By a greater influence. By the truth. The truth always prevails. And this triumph happens all the time. How often have we had hurtful things spoken to us? Maybe even as a child. But we went to somebody a parent or a friend, and we told them these hurtful things that were spoken. And what did they do? Hopefully, they renounced those things that were spoken to us. And then they spoke truth into our lives. And that became our identity. The curse was broken, and we are then no longer affected by those words because of that support and that encouragement that somebody gave 
after those words were spoken. All right. What about those that didn't have such a good outcome? Perhaps you were not so fortunate. Maybe you didn't tell somebody about the hurts. Or perhaps there were no positive people that you could go to and have that curse broken. Perhaps you believed the words of death and you made those lies your identity. Well, today can be your day of triumph. Today, you will have the opportunity to be set free from those curses. Because now, today, you can go to your father. Abba, Daddy. That's what the Bible says. We can call God. Abba, Father, Daddy. Like, like a child calling their dad, Daddy. That is the closeness. That's the relationship we can have with the Father. And when we go to Him, we can tell Him about these horrible things that were spoken. And He, in His Word, will renounce them by the truth. The truth that's in His Word. His Word will speak life to us. And that truth will become our identity. That will help us to be the very person that God caused us to be. And the curse will be broken. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. We not only give Jesus our burdens, but we allow him into our heart and we surrender our lives to him. When we do this, we are now a child of God. Our identity is now in Jesus. Now that we have the truth living in us, we will overcome. And let's look at a scripture that actually does confirm this. This scripture will be an encouragement to you. Isaiah 54, 14 through 17. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coils in the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. If we've trusted Jesus for salvation, we are now declared righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What a powerful verse. 
that confirms how we have the righteousness of Christ. That's our identity. There are many other passages in the Bible that declare believers as righteous in Christ. Because we have Jesus' righteousness, there's a greater influence and his authority, and we will overcome those words of death. Not only the words of death that were spoken to us, but now in walking in that identity in Christ, we will overcome speaking such words of death as well. The words shall not prevail. But this is only if we exercise the authority that's given to us. That is, if we believe the truth over the lies. The words of death are the lies. This is known as our identity in Christ. Knowing our identity in Christ is so important and so powerful that we not only overcome words of death, but also anything that we struggle with that's contrary to God's word and God's will for our life. When I teach at Bible studies, I often talk about knowing our identity in Christ. Knowing our identity in Christ is the greatest antidote we have for any of these sin and spiritual struggle issues. Pastor Chuck, he mentions Neil Anderson's books many times. And that's where I got that valuable information from. And we use these Neil Anderson books, especially Victory Over the Darkness, in our Overcomers Discipleship Program. And you know, the subtitle of that book is Realizing the Power of Your Identity in Christ. Realizing the Power of Our Identity in Christ. And of course, I recommend this book not only to overcome these words of death, but also to overcome any spiritual strongholds that we deal with. And finally, forgiveness. Forgiveness is necessary and essential for us to find freedom from those words of death. We must forgive those who have spoken hurtful words to us. And remember, forgiveness is for ourselves. Forgiveness is not for the offender. It's for us. Hmm. God will deal with the offender. Forgiveness releases us from the tie of bitterness and that ensuing stronghold. We see in Ephesians 4, 26, 27, that we're not to give a place for the devil. In our anger, do not sin. And when we, when we, when we do sin, we're given a place for the devil to have a foothold. And the stronghold begins. But we can overcome by the identity in Christ. Conclusion. Hopefully we know how serious our choice of words are. If we've been careless with our words, may we repent of that and now speak words of blessings. Maybe a kind word of encouragement or compliment that could change the course of one's life for good. May we now find joy in knowing that good words can bless others and further the kingdom of God. May we have the courage to remind others that they are accountable to God and for the words that they speak. Each one of us has been blessed with a tiny instrument 
our tongue. And that we can use to speak life and encouragement to each person we come in contact with. If we've been a victim of words of death, whether even as a child or to this day, may we remember that we can now be victors through our identity in Christ. We can choose to believe the truth in the righteousness of Christ. And then the lies, these words of death, will no longer have power over us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you for you, Jesus. You have given us a new identity, and an identity in you which the Father sees as righteous. And in that, we can overcome any hurtful things that were spoken to us, and we can overcome any hurtful words that we would speak. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to choose our words carefully. And in times of frustration, even with those that we love, may we come to you in prayer and have you guide us to speak the words that would be of most benefit. And Lord, we do want to pray for our political candidates. We want to pray for those that are leading us in this country, that you would give them conviction for the way that they treat each other and for the example that they're setting. And may that change. And we pray that that there would be uh, godliness in the whole situation. And Lord, we thank you again for giving us this opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.